This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Peacher, President of SLC Management. And once again, I'm joined by James Slotnick, who's the Vice President and Head of Government Relations and Sustainability at Sun Life. So, James, thanks for taking time once again. Happy to. I think I think this is my third or fourth. I feel like, you know, if I get to five, it's like that old Saturday Night Live thing. I'll have to get the jacket with the five on it. It's fifth time guest, but we'll see. You know, Steve, we'll see how I do this time to see if I get invited back. That's- well, you've done a great job so far. So obviously we tap into you every time that there's something going on in Washington that has broad impact and um, whether it's an election or legislation. And of course, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, May 23rd. The topic du jour is the debt ceiling. We've been here before. Every time we've been here before, there's been a last minute deal. But and having lived through this a few times, you do start to wonder this time, will this time be different? You know, why should anyone believe that that something won't get done? Because every time in the past, something has gotten done, even though there have been some ramifications. We saw the debt downgraded by one of the agencies a few years ago. But should anyone think that there's not going to be something done here? This does have all the elements of this could be that time that it that it doesn't happen. You have uh, slim majorities, I should say, for the Republicans in the House and then you know, a very small majority for the Democrats in the Senate. You know, when you look at what the House was able to do two or three weeks ago with the Limit, Save and Grow Act, that passed by one vote, which did increase the debt ceiling with some spending cuts to offset those. So it does feel like it's the environment where this could happen. Last week, was 40 or so Republicans uh, signed a letter that said, you know, they support what's in the, the Limit, Save and Grow Act. So again, it does feel like there's an environment where Republicans are are willing to dig in a little bit and really make sure they get what they want. That said, I think there is, they have an open person that's willing to negotiate in President Biden. And so Although it does feel very much like 2011, maybe more than any of these other situations have over the past few years. I think like 2011, we're going to see something late in the game, get over the finish line. Uh, and again, like 2011, it's you know it's, it's similar. You had Speaker Boehner then negotiating directly with President Obama. And here you have Speaker McCarthy you know, negotiating with his team directly with President Biden. So although all the elements are there for maybe this is the time, I think we do get a, a deal at the end. And assuming we do get a deal, what is it going to look like, do you think? There's some low-hanging fruit. And, you know, everyone listening to this has heard has heard some of these items. There's uh, maybe 50 or $70 billion of unspent COVID relief fund that's still floating out there that the states have. Uh, Republicans really want to claw that back. The number's not big, but it's a, you know, it sounds good to get back this unused COVID money. And it sounds like the president and his team are, are on board with that. Both sides seem to agree that spending is has accelerated over covid i went back and looked if you go back to the 2019 spending numbers you know pre covid this year we're about 30% high the the 2022 spending numbers i should say were about 30% higher than 2019 now obviously covid and you can expect those type of increases but republicans are are really saying hey if we could just cap spending at 2022 levels which is 30% higher than where they were in 2019 they'd accept that and so you, you sort of feel the biden administration trying to wrangle around, is it going to be 2022 or maybe 2022 plus, but holding those levels for another couple of years seems to be something that that both sides are, are on board with. And you know, some of the harder things will be a permitting reform is something else that the Biden administration seems open to that's important to Republicans. I think maybe some is a little bit harder, that, but probably gets ironed out at the end is creating some type of work requirements around some of the entitlement programs. Now, certainly Medicaid is not going to be a program that has work requirements that the Biden administration is going to buy into, but maybe SNAP, uh, supplemental 
nutritional assistance program or TANF, the temporary assistance program, you know, those maybe you see some soft edge work requirements come there. And then both sides can sort of say, hey, you know, we're willing to negotiate. We're able to keep spending. If your Democrats are able to say we're able to keep spending le- levels significantly above where they were before COVID. If your Republicans are able to say, hey, we're able to stop the spending. Uh, you know, and then you see maybe it's a year, year and a half debt ceiling increase. And we're back here again after the, the 2024 elections. <laughs> we're always going to keep coming back to this. Always coming back, Steve. You know, that's the thing. You know, I heard a um, interview, I guess it was recorded yesterday with McCarthy. And, uh, you know, he was talking about spending as a percentage of GDP, government spending as a percentage of GDP. His, I guess in the recent past, have been around 21%, has jumped up to around 24%. So those are sound bites that can be pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. But as you say, maybe there's a path where both sides can claim a win because higher spending remains, but it, it gets capped. If Let's say that uh, the unthinkable happens and we don't get a deal and the government actually starts to have to not uh, make uh, certain payments on bills that have come due. And there's a big discussion around how that would play out specifically. But let's say we kind of hit that wall. What's the political fallout? Who does that favor politically? I hear it's Democrats more than Republicans. Republicans are, and, and I think they've been very on message with this. You know, Speaker McCarthy and even Senate Republicans have said there's one chamber that's passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling, and that's the that's House Republicans, and that that is accurate. You know, they have passed legislation that would cut spending and increase the debt ceiling for the next two years. So the Republicans are able to say with a clear heart and clear conscience, we you know we we've proposed something. You know, Leader Schumer in the Senate does not have the votes with the filibuster and all those things to get a a clean debt ceiling bill through. So the Senate hasn't been able to pass anything. The House has a bill that's passed. Republicans are much better positioned at this moment than uh, than Democrats are. On top of that, if you go and look at President Biden's approval rating, yeah, it's not great. I mean, it, if you look over the last five or six presidents at this point in their presidency, about 100, or excuse me, 850 days in, former President Trump and former President Biden at this point were about are about the same, about 42% approval, which is significantly below where President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton were at this exact time. So Democrats are not in a position of strength. You know, both sides certainly need to get a deal done, but I think Republicans are much better positioned if we do go over that cliff, uh, you know, and hopefully uh, we don't. And again, I don't think we will, but I think politically Republicans uh, would fare better than Democrats. You know, it's so hard to know what would happen in the markets because right. I don't think you hit one date, this notion of an X date. I think the government has certain flexibility, but then all of a sudden people would get the sense that, yeah, certain bills aren't being paid. And it would depend, I think, on on what on, on how that rolled out in terms of what the market impacts were. Certainly if the government wasn't meeting maturities on maturing treasury obligations, that starts to have a lot of technical you know, impacts. If the rating agencies further, you know, downgrade the U.S., that ripples through, you know, financial institutions that use ratings for capital requirements. It runs through asset management contracts that have minimum rating requirements. It could run through treasury money market funds and how those are priced. Obviously, anyone counting on maturing treasuries that didn't mature, but there is flexibility the government has to actually meet maturing debt. So you're just not sure exactly logistically right. how it would play out, but I think that would be key to how the markets react. And also if the market sensed that this was a day or two and then it was going to light a fire and it was going to get resolved, that would be one thing. If the market's got the sense that, oh my gosh, this was a big impasse and it was going to become a bigger and bigger problem as the opinions of the two sides ossified, then you could have a real market meltdown. So it's so hard to predict. Yeah, and Steve, one thing, and I forgot to mention this, but you, you make a good point. So one thing that Speaker McCarthy has to balance 
is, as we know, took him a couple votes to get the speakership. And as part of those negotiations with his members, he guaranteed that no legislation would be voted on until 72 hours after the text was released. So, you know, because a lot of his members were complaining that over the last, you know, the former speakers that, you know, bills would come out, be thousands of pages, you have no time to read them. So, you know, to your point on knowing that there's a deal, but maybe there's a delay or two, it it feels like Speaker McCarthy is going to have to stick to that. So even if there's a deal, there's legislation, the House is going to, unless he can get his members to agree, he said he'd give them 72 hours to read the bills before they're voted on. Well, if you think January or June 1st is going to be the date, you know, you sort of need legislative text by then. And then, you know, the Senate can move much faster, but that's another wild card there. Does, does the House actually need 72 hours to review the legislative text? Right. One thing that I think has been helpful is that the June 1st date has been put out there. It's not a hard and fast date, but I think Treasury Secretary Yonas put that out there as, hey, it could be as soon as June 1st. And I think people have listened to that, and it it has certainly spurred activity. If for some reason we go beyond June 1st and the world doesn't end, and and my guess is the government would find ways to extend that, I think everybody would hope that that wouldn't cause people to take the foot off the pedal toward an agreement where people said, well, maybe June 1st wasn't that hard a date after all, and maybe we've got more leeway. I think that would be a step backward. Secretary uh-huh. Yellen has been on message. She's June, and I think you know to your point, it's been helpful to drive the president and Speaker McCarthy and their you know their their delegates to say we got to get this figured out by June first. So that's been helpful. One uh, just you know one other thing to add. I, I've been fascinated. You know, any you know your listeners can Google this. If you Google the Fed's minutes from August two thousand eleven, they do talk about how they were thinking about prioritizing debt payments. And it's it's, so I mean, it's not like the, you know, the Treasury hasn't, you know, they don't like to talk about it. But to your point, they have a plan somewhere in place where if we did hit that date, they're going, they know how they're going to pay the bills every day thereafter. It's too bad that a country like the United States is having to spend a lot of time coming up with plans for exactly how they would allocate money if we hit a debt ceiling. But unfortunately, that's the world we live in. As I mentioned, we're recording this on Tuesday, May 23rd. I think this will be out for people to listen to a couple of days from now. So things could have changed over the next 48 hours between when we recorded this and when we listened to it. But, you know, that's kind of our, our best view at this point. So, James, thanks. Thanks again for taking the time. And thanks, for everyone, for listening to this episode of 3 and 5. Thanks, Steve.